call Amy Cheek? Calling Amy Cheek. Hello. Hello, Amy Cheek. <laughs> How are you? I just said your name, so I said it again. Um, I'm good. <laughs> it's We talked about this the other day on the phone uh, when we were talking about Lent stuff. Uh, but it's another gorgeous day and my, my mood reflects it. Absolutely. I, I'm, I'm a hundred percent there with you. Although we're in the peak of, or at least the start of allergy season, um, which looks a heck of a lot like COVID, <laughs> you know, <laughs> like everyone I see at the grocery store or restaurant takeout or whatever, it's like, Oh, I don't know what's okay anymore. Because if somebody coughed in public three months ago, that's you know that's one of the worst things you could ever do three months ago. So, right. anyway, yeah. Um, well, on the on the sort of flip side of that, it 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 was uh, the spring equinox yesterday. Okay. And the day before yesterday, both Andrew and I got our final vaccine shots. Oh, well, so that's the feeling of like rebirth is really strong here <laughs> and there's hope on the horizon. The sun is out. The flowers are out. Uh, it's it's getting better. So all of those things are uh, are fantastic. Very metaphor metaphorical. Is that a word? Yeah. Yeah. God, that felt weird. Um, but. Uh, juxtapose that with me driving around with uh, black gift bags um with a spiritual practice to remind people that they're going to die. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. So I, I have to say doing a memento mori altar for me at this time of year was really strange because when you overlay the liturgical calendar on top of like what the earth is doing in the Northern hemisphere during this time, correct, it doesn't, it doesn't really line up. And so normally this time of year, like it's all like flowers on my altar and bright colors and like freshness. Um, but yeah, I normally do like something similar to the Memento Mori. I'm, I'm normally doing that in like late November. Right. When it makes sense that there's <laughs> yeah all, all the trees are barren. It's cold. It's dark. Yeah, absolutely. I don't know. I know that it does feel strange, and it is. I mean, I, I'd sent uh, Andy and Sarah a picture of a uh, of the bag next to their package on the front porch that was like a Nespresso, one of that that brand of espresso machines. And I said, "Yeah, enjoy, enjoy a delicious cup of coffee when you were while you remember and remind yourself that you'll be ashes one day." Um, <laughs> uh, you are walking compost, but at least be energetic about it. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. You better have all the energy that you need now because you won't need it later. No, I, you know, it's, I do think that there's something important, like even in spring to remind ourselves of these things. Like, I don't know. I, I don't want to over-spiritualize it, but I do think that it's, it's at least worth thinking about even in a time like this. Yeah, I think so too. So for people that are listening, uh, that have absolutely no idea what we're talking about in terms of the altar stuff. So the reason, well, among the reason, among other things that I asked Amy to do this podcast and to, um, 
be a part of the Lent series that we're doing is that she has a practice in her own life where she builds altars in her home. Um, and that sounds like a, <laughs> that sounds like a, you have a, a room in your house. That's like a dungeon that, uh, you know, no, it's like a table with things on it. Um, and so I, we had talked about it at neighborhood, um, back when we were able to gather, uh, and Andrew and Amy, her husband, um, are the people that, that really like care for and curate the things that sit on our uh, communion table at church. And so she built a, a whole, I think it, it was for Advent, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Yeah. So we did a big Advent altar, um, and put all of the things, um, on the altar in the way that she de- does in her own practice in her own home. And then talked about it in front of the church and stuff. But I think that one for people that were there that Sunday, I think it's worth revisiting. And then I think for most people, they would have no, no sense of, um, no frame of reference for something like this. And so I guess the thing I'd like to do today is to just hear, cause I don't even know the answer to this, what the, what the genesis of that whole practice was for you. Like, when did you start doing it? Um, I started doing this, um, I, I think it was the fall or winter of 2018 was when it sort of began. And I was feeling really disconnected in my spiritual practice because, um, where, where do I want to go with this? Uh, it's sort of a lot of things. So there's a lot about church that I think is essential to our spiritual walk. Like to me, like not being part of a church is kind of something I can't picture um, because I think it's so important that we have each other. Um, But I still felt disconnected even going into church sometimes because it feels sometimes very uh, like almost when you're sitting in the congregation or I mean, even if I'm if I'm leading worship or something, it seems very like audience performer as far as the setup is. If that makes sense, like with well, the, even with physically all the facing the front. Yeah, all, I yeah, mean, the, physically. Yeah, the the room itself is set up like that in almost every case. Yeah, and while I think the congregation is an active participant in a church service. For me, I was having a hard time like connecting to that because it just, to me, it felt so much like a mental exercise and I felt like so much depended on on me focusing on what I was supposed to focus on. And I started to think about like, how can I put something tangible in front of me? Like something that I can focus on. Like when I'm, even when I'm not at church, like to sit and pray can sometimes become like zoning off. (laughs) Um, Right when we're like people that have like a zillion things to remember. So even at home, like having a spiritual practice is really hard for me. It was hard for me to focus. Um, and so altar building became a way to put something tangible in front of me. Not, not like something that I'm talking to or, or anything like that, but just a physical focus for me. Like in, instead of, you know, my prayer fully depending on like me focusing, um, I can dedicate a candle for that prayer and light the candle for it. And it's something in front of me that I can focus on that, that reminds me of what I'm doing. 
Um, so it just sort of became a way to pull my spiritual practice like out of the ether, like into the physical realm, if that makes sense. No, I think it makes a lot of sense. I mean, it's this is a stupid uh, example of what you're saying, but I realized uh, in college I was a, a super auditory learner. Like taking notes was useless for me. It, it was more of a distraction. Um, so I, I learned that like, playing playing Tetris, like playing flash games that were mindless actually mm-hmm. actually made me uh, be able to focus more. And so I heard Maya Angelou talked about um, she played solitaire while she uh, while she wrote. And so what she what she said was it helped occupy her small brain so her big brain could work, um, mm-hmm. w- which really resonated with me. And so not that it's not that what you're doing is mindless physically, because that's that's the part of the connection that I don't want to make. Um, mm-hmm. But I do think that sometimes doing something physically, that is, you're not having to think a ton about what you're doing. You're just lighting a candle, but putting some kind of point of focus helps you, I don't know, center yourself, ground yourself in a way that allows you to be, because if you just sit in a room, like everybody talks about, they're quiet time, brother. Like if you just sit down and close your eyes and just try to focus on God or to pray for 20 minutes or whatever it is, like it's in, well, I I won't project on everyone else. That's a nightmare for me. You know, that's like it, it, my brain's going to go nuts. And so I've got to do something like I got to cut grass. I got to like, I have to do something so that I can like actually allow my, brain to work without just running in a million different directions. So is, has there been, is there some of that that resonates at all? Yeah. There's also another sort of angle to it. Like just aside from having it like the point of focus or like doing something with your hands, because, you know, sometimes it's not candles. Sometimes it's making a craft. Sometimes like I'll make a bracelet and I'll choose beads for certain reasons right and almost like make almost like a piece of sacred jewelry that that sort of as i'm making it there's a prayer in it yeah um but there was also something it was valid so i had started doing this and then i felt really validated when i went to church one day and steve was talking about creation and he was talking about the use of the royal we in genesis Uh uh-huh where it says like let us make man in our own image and he made the point of like not only could that be the trinity right right like the the plural god but this could also be god like collaborating with creation yeah because we're made of earth we have the breath of light or life uh we generate heat we're 60 percent water or however much so it's it's sort of it re- hearing that at church really validated for me that yes, like having a physical component to worship instead of just a purely like spiritual or mental exercise is something that's been happening since the beginning. And th- there's almost a sense of getting to collaborate with nature. Yeah. That's why there's always nature elements on my altar. Um, so that that's another sort of aspect to it. Yeah, that's really profound. I, I well, first of all, of course, it was Steve's sermon, not mine, but uh, that's fine. Um, 
but I think I think that there's in in evangelical churches, it's such a rational kind of a thing. You know, it's so like um, believe these things, think about these things, say you know, say what your faith is with these words. And there, it is so void of any kind of physicality. There, it's just you talk about audience and performer. It is uh, speeches and sounds. You know, it's like it's yeah. it's all cerebral. And so to do anything that pulls us into like remembering that we live on a planet and that we are human bodies and yeah, that pulls mm-hmm. physical elements into things. Yeah, I think it's. The practice I was speaking before to the practice ex- itself in terms of centering yourself, but then the contents of this practice of like pulling ourselves into the earthiness of what true spirituality should look like. Um, yeah, I think that's yeah. I think that's important. Yeah, I, I feel like there's a big emphasis sometimes uh, of on like that idea of apotheosis, like we are gonna improve ourselves and ascend out of these these dirt bodies that we have oh right um but it's like well then why did jesus bother coming down here (laughs) like if if (laughs) there's not value in the physical why did he bother coming and like taking on a physical form and going through a death you know yeah just go ahead and make everyone these mystical heavenly beings that uh that are are made of nothing Oh, I, I wanted to say one more thing that I, I kind of extrapolated out of that sermon that I referenced. Okay, um, go for it. So when when God gave us dominion over creation, uh-huh. I've started to sort of think about it. Like, I feel like a lot of times we we embrace that as like that, you know, sinister manifest destiny type thing where it's like it's here for us to use as we please kind of a thing yeah that but, um that verse is is that, used for deer hunting a lot we take control of the yeah. earth brother yeah but like if you look at the example of jesus that's not what dominion means to him sure so i i almost think about it when i'm building these altars is like i'm i'm helping involve creation and worship almost as in like I'm I'm helping like in in the same way that nature can like lead us into worship we can also lead nature into worship that might be weird I'm sorry if that's weird no I mean you're in the right place for (laughs) sharing weird things and being safe I I like every day have a thought that I'm like that's probably for sure heretical (laughs) anyway um (laughs) No, I think I think that's I think that's good. I we, we are like co-laborers with God. There's there's precedence for it. If people need verses for things, there's you know, we're sons and daughters of God. Jesus invites us into trinitarian prayer. Let us, you know, when we pray the the Lord's prayer, um we get to call God our Father with Jesus. And so I think we participate in creation. I think God um you know, I think in so many ways we are the hands and feet of God on the earth, and so I, I don't think that that's all that uh, all that wild. The thought that you just said. Yeah. Um. So, talk to me a little bit about um about this altar in particular that you uh, that we've I've I've been taking those packages around. I've delivered a couple more of them today. Um. 
talk about the contents of this one and kind of how it relates to, because I think the theme I sent was like, quote, remember that you die, unquote, right? Something like that? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so talk a little so, bit about the contents of it and the practice, because yeah, so the practice the, with it is so, so beautiful. Thank you. Um, yeah, th this was fun because I, you know, as I said before, I normally have seasonal altars and it's sort of like I've done them over and over again, but getting to create one specifically for this uh, felt really, really fun, you know, considering the theme. So different aspects that I use in creating an altar, I think about, you know, plants and stones and colors and even things like scents or incense that I would burn and, and, and symbols, relevant symbols. So I kind of went into the, the altar setup in the video. Um, and I, I do want to come back to a couple things on the altar itself. Um, but the ritual in, that's contained in the bag, I called it night in the garden. Because I think about, you know, one of the key parts where Christ really confronts the idea of death in a very human way is when he's praying in the garden and sort of asking like, all right, are we really doing this? You know? Right. Um, and it being spring, I wanted the ritual to involve like flowers and gardening and seeds. So basically it's set up, you know, to where you, you sort of set everything out. Um, I included sandalwood incense. Uh, that is something that has a lot of connections to death. Like if you look at like other, like older historical traditions, sandalwood is something that like is often burned to kind of be thinking about death or mourning. Um, so I've included sand so that you could like get like a small cup or something and put it in there and it won't damage the, the vessel. Um, and that, that time where you burn the incense, it's not just like light it and go. It's like light it and just sit for a minute. Yeah. The, the act of grounding is really important because to just start a ritual uh, immediately is sort of like slamming on the brakes. Like you've been going through life at a certain speed and now you're being asked to stop. Yeah. Taking time to let the incense burn lets you sort of slow down gracefully so it doesn't feel so jarring. It lets you kind of shed some of the the thoughts and anxieties of the day so that you can clearly focus on what you're doing. So after that grounding time, um, you were given a, a paper that says all this died with Christ because we think about all of the things that Christ either saved us from or took on himself so that we wouldn't have to, you know, suffer consequences or he took away the need for so many things because, because now grace is in the picture. Mm-hmm. So you're meant to sort of write down like what is troubling you or what is heavy on you or what pressures are you putting on yourself that actually shouldn't be there because they died with Christ. And so that what people write down on those papers, it's all going to be different, you know, based on what people are going through. Um, then you're asked to burn it over the bowl of sand or if you don't want to light it on fire, you can rip it up. Anyone that and doesn't just, light it on fire is probably not friends with me. 
Could you imagine <laughs> if you're instructed that you can light something on fire? Like if you if you have any inner child left, even one shred, you're lighting it on fire. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You it know, is a beautiful record, image though. Yeah. For the record, open a window <laughs> or do this outside because I can't tell you how many times I've set off the, <laughs> the fire alarm in our house because I'm burning something or releasing something. And Andrew comes in, he's like, what are you doing? <laughs> yes. So that ash gets mixed into the soil. Um, so all of the ash and sand all gets stirred into the soil because in in most like esotericism, death is just shorthand for transformation. Right. Death is not a finality. And for an eternal being like God, death can't possibly be an end, right? Yeah. It's just a transformation from one one state to the next. Yeah. So we now start thinking about the death that happened now fertilizing new life. Mm-hmm. Um, so once you've mixed it into the soil, you start putting some of the soil into the pot. Um, I included uh, a communion wafer as the host, as a representation of Christ. Um, I know that some people may not be comfortable using that in a context outside of communion, which I totally understand. So people can skip the step if they don't want to do it. But I actually wanted some sort of representation of Christ to put in sort of the grave that we're making um, in the act of breaking the body and putting it in the grave um, to kind of really think about in a way, like not in a punitive, like guilt-driven way, but kind of to think about the hand that we had in putting Christ to death. Sure. In sort of a roundabout way, you know? Well, Um, and then to see, to see that bloom eventually is going to take on a new meaning in light of that. Yeah. It'll feel a little more redemptive maybe. So, you know, don't do that lightly. You know, I'm not, you know, that's a, that should be like a moment where you're thinking and expressing gratitude to Christ or whatever comes up for you, but that should be a sort of meditative moment. And then you can bury it under the rest of the soil and then you plant your seeds. So the seeds are morning glory um, because they sort of bloom and fade in the same day. So they're often associated with death. Hmm. Um, uh, but, um, they're obviously a springtime flower, you know, so you put them in, water the seeds, uh, and then the last item is the bloodstone that goes on top, um, and that sits on top of the soil, and then on Easter, you can take it off of there on Easter Sunday to represent the stone rolling away from the tomb, and then that, that stone that sort of sat on top of that, like, whether your flower blooms or not, like I hope it does, whether your flower blooms or not, or like after the season's over, you'll always have that stone as a memory of like that period of transformation. Yeah. And a reminder of, of the, the Easter gift. Yeah. I love, I love, I love so many things about, uh, what you, what you wrote out, what you sent out about the practice itself and the 
I just think that every piece of it was so carefully thought through, yeah, so so participatory, so um, so full of meaning, and so I, I just I love it, and it, it's not a practice that I have. It's not like a, a we don't have a space in our house primarily because of uh, the kids that you've heard yelling during this. We don't have any space in our house that is not touched ever, like including mm-hmm. the top of the fridge. So he climbs on the right. handles, stands where the little ice, not ice tray, but like where the water goes, you know, stands on that and mm-hmm. then climbs to get to the top of the fridge. So there's truly not a spot in our house that, uh, that isn't touched, but this. So I, I have, I have, um, a friend who has, uh, like a shoebox. Oh, cool. Alter. It's like, just it's pulls something it out. That can be put away. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I like that. Um, so, but that's not to say I'm, I'm not doing this. What, I'm, what I mean is it's neat to do something like this that's so meaningful to someone else and to kind of take on that practice and, um, and just kind of see what it does for us. Not does for us. That seems like it's too, uh, too mechanical of a way of saying it. Mm-hmm. What it, what it does in us, I guess, you know? Um, and so it's, uh, I, I just think it's really important Maybe maybe people recoil at things like, you know, sandalwood incense and bloodstones and and all the things you know that make this a little bit of an intense thing, especially given the the content of what what this one in particular is about. But I do think um, it it is a practice. So just try it. See 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 what it means to you. Go out and find what's meaningful to you and put some physicality to your, uh, to your spiritual practices. Like people are so weirded out by like, you know, people praying the rosary or something. I I think it's beautiful to have something in your hands that can, can represent things. You talked about having Mm -hmm. things that are like, you know, making a bracelet or something that certain beads or prayers, like there's no reason that there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with that. Like do that and, and see what, those kinds of things can do because they become physical reminders of things. And so I, mm-hmm. I, I went back and uh, I went back and looked at basketball cards last week from my childhood and Aww. just literally holding the binder and, and then opening those boxes and pulling out cards and like little placards that I had made that separated teams or whatever with my like, you know, fourth or fifth grade handwriting on it. Um, that, that meant something, you know, it pulled me back into that place. Or when I hear a certain album and it, you know, it just transports you back to that moment. I think that those physical things, you know, a bloodstone or whatever, whatever the thing is for a specific altar that then you walk around your house and it catches your eye one day and you remember, something from that time. It's like a, you know, physical journal sort of thing. It's not words, but mm-hmm. objects. And so I, I think that the whole thing, um, can, can take on what meaning it will for each person, but try it out. Can I, can I tell, can I tell the story about why goldenrod ended up on my memento mori altar? Yes, of course. Okay. Cause I just wanted to sort of like give an example of like, how I come to certain items or certain choices. Um, so I, so 
it wasn't last year, but the year before, um, in September, my friends and I went to the apple orchard in, in the fall um, to pick apples. And, <laughs> you know, it, it was fun to pick apples, but I got so excited because at the very end of the orchard, I saw a bunch of goldenrod. And it's the color yellow that is my favorite color yellow. And uh, I like ran down to the end and I started adding a bunch of goldenrod to my apple bucket. I'm like, I'm not sure if I'm allowed to have this, but I, I, I want it. Like, this is so beautiful to me. So I had like handfuls of goldenrod and my friends and I, we started walking back up to the front of the orchard and uh, halfway up, I got a phone call. Uh, I got a phone call that one of my students had passed. Um, because he had gone into a car accident. And I just remember sinking to the ground with handfuls of goldenrod. And, and one of my friends who was there, like, sat with me, you know, until I was, you know, until, like, the initial shock had passed. And I just remember her talking to me in a very grounding way to help me process, you know, not to judge. And it, it was just a really important moment. And... I, I, I tied it into a bundle when I got home and I have this, this sort of outdoor altar space. It's just this big stone in the middle of this grove that's next to our yard. And I, I, set, it, I set it down. I set it down to grieve. And then I remember later like looking up like ways that goldenrod is used. And I found that it was, it's traditionally used for grief and mourning. And just how that sort of happened where it was already in my hands before I knew I needed it was really significant to me. So now we have goldenrod that grows in our yard and it, it you know, blooms in the fall. And, and every year I, I take some and I keep it. And it, it goes on my, my fall to winter altar when we're thinking about, you know, death. Mm. But I have, I have so many stories of different things that, that come only from experience and well, sometimes it, it might look like I just set this item on, like most things have a story. And I think that's why it's such a powerful practice to me. And it's, it, it's become such a sustainable thing in my spiritual journey because it's so personal. Yeah. You know, you, you have like the, the corporate sacraments, you know, in the church, especially like communion, right? That's sort of like everybody does this. This is a universal thing. Yeah. But I, I also think there's, in a way, like personal ones, um, 
that start to emerge, you know, that that are like really specific for, for a different thing. Yeah, that's that's ex- an extremely heavy and extremely meaningful story. And I think I think what we're given is such a vanilla spirituality growing up in evangelical Protestant whatever churches. It's this yeah, you know, uh read three chapters of the Bible, um pray for 20 minutes, you know, listen to Christian radio or whatever and that's that's your spirituality. It's such a boring thing. Um but what I what I love about what you're saying is you, you said it at the end, just how personal it is. Every item is personal. Every item is a story. And um, I was reading um, Eugene Peterson's biography that Wynn Collier wrote that's about to, I guess it'll be out soon, um, in the next couple of weeks. And the first chapter, first couple of chapters, um, Eugene and his son Eric um, had kind of a, uh, uh, not strained relationship, but not the, it outlines it in the book. It was, it was just not, um, it was not everything it could be. And, uh, but it talked about, um, early in Eric's life, he ran up to his dad's study, um, one morning, I guess before school or something. And he, he opened the door, cracked the door open and his dad didn't hear him, and he saw him over in the corner, and he would he had a writing desk, and he had a candle lit, and he had like a Jewish prayer shawl um, kind of draped over his shoulders and was down on two knees and kind of like either rocking or chanting or something and was reading was reading the psalms and um, and he kind of snuck out, and his dad never saw him and I, I don't know if that they ever talked about it, but the kind of intimacy of having a peek into somebody else's spirituality. Steve talked about a couple of weeks ago um, to Sarah Council. He talked about um, going into his backyard each night barefoot, no matter what time of year it is, and um, and kind of grounding himself, like literally grounding himself yeah. to the earth, okay. and. Um, and praying in tongues, and that that is something that he does each night. So these little peeks into like individuals' spirituality, like in all the specificity of what means something to to people. I think the yes, try out making altars, and and yes, put intention behind it, and yes, do that. But I think the bigger message is find the thing that is as meaningful as what you just described to you that is so specific to you. Yes, do corporate practices. Yes, go to, like you, uh, you know, I love that in, early in the conversation you said you can't imagine not going to church because you don't have, how do you ever have a sense of being together if you don't have some kind of shared spiritual community? Um Go to church, do communion, sing songs, listen to sermons, do all those things. But but there's also another thing, you know, do find your own spiritual practice and and do it. Do whatever is meaningful to you. And um anyway, I I just think it's a I think 
I hope that people will feel freedom in hearing this, that their spirituality won't, doesn't have to be the same as, you know, what's been given to them. It's, I, mm-hmm. one of the things that I love from the conversations that I have with Ricky, who's my spiritual director, is that he says, hey, this is, this is something that has meant something to me. Um, I'm not going to project that on you. I'm not going to tell you that this is what you should do. I, I'm going right. to tell you you should find quiet, but whatever th- defines quiet, it, that's not up to me. It's up to you to find that. And so mm-hmm. I hope people will feel freedom to not let their spirituality be defined by something that was given to them and that doesn't really carry much meaning for them. Yeah. And that being said, like, if, if someone gets this ritual bag and like really does not want to do this, <laughs> like there, maybe it'll just be more fun to like, just plant the seeds with your kids. Sure. Right? Like all of that stuff is yours now, you know, use it. Like I, I, I wrote out like an intended use, but that doesn't mean it's the only use. And like, I, I hope people feel free to like, make it their own or if they don't want to do it at least you know you know just just find find a way to to use the items in a way that speaks to you for sure yeah we're not we're not i mean we just said it we're not trying to be prescriptive and say this is mm-hmm. what you must do this is um this, we we're putting out an edict you know like it's none of that it's just try something new and uh and just open yourself in a new way and see see what comes mm-hmm. from it um anyway thank thank you for um for a million things but specifically for putting all of this together putting as much thought and tension and like love and care into it and then the other part of it and I said it in the email but I want to say it again to you is that I just appreciate you sharing something that's very intimate to you and that's not like I don't know I I feel like it's a it's a vulnerable thing to share something that may or may not resonate with people but that does with you that's really special and tender so thank you for being willing to do that thank you and and like I also want to say that like if if this does resonate with people you know I I just want to I want to be approachable and like if anybody has any other questions, like feel free to to email me, call me, because um, I'm I'm happy to to even like help with like designing other altars. You know, if people are going through something specific, sure. If that is something that would resonate with them, yeah, wonderful. Well, uh, yeah, you can you can email me Joseph at neighborhoodcharlotte.com, and I'll uh, I'll forward all that stuff to you, get you guys in contact. Um, Thank you, Amy. Thank you. This was wonderful.